Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never, ever, ever played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with Shreyas. And let's talk a sparza. Amateur Hour. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode, episode 19 of Amateur Hour. Today, for the second week in a row, we have a very, very special guest. This week, we do not have another NFL player. But we have somebody who is near and dear to the heart and soul of this podcast. So for a little backstory, back when me, Shreyas, and our special guests were in our college years, our heyday. We got to get a little flashback music. (laughs) We have to go back. But back when we were in our heyday, we started an iteration of Amateur Hour. So there are actually six, not one, not two, but six unreleased episodes of the original Amateur Hour where me, Shreyas, and our good friend Donald Odell, who's here with us today, we're talking about sports, doing the same shenanigans that we are doing today, just on a much smaller and unpublished scale. Donald, thank you for being here. Wow, thanks. That's uh, I got two varies when you introduced me, so very, very special guest. <laughs> <laughs> so that means a lot. And I think the uh, those six unreleased episodes, that's a good uh, one million subscriber kind of treat for the fan base so uh make sure you guys guys are racing to a million so you can hear those real quick um but jokes aside guys thank you for having me on um i've been listening right along and uh i was trying to find a time to get back on i'm super happy to be here yes sir we're happy to have you You yeah that's actually all those uh all those episodes where we had mullets it was like an episode it was like wayne's world right we all had mustaches (laughs) yeah Yeah. it was man those are the the good old days we were wearing we would go to blockbuster after and think what movie we were gonna watch (laughs) we put it right in our vhs uh, vhs player (laughs) as we listened to david bowie before he passed away yeah good day (laughs) Time. So we're just getting older and older now. Yeah, yeah. And then I would get my Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> and speaking of Beetle, the Beatles were actually performing in London yeah. um, that one week. I was actually, yeah, I was, I was waiting for them when they came down from the plane. I was and screaming. I, I had the it was, We Love Beatles poster up. It was fun after the war too, because you know we we all got drafted, <laughs> but we all made it through. You know we were. We were at Dunkirk. We, it was uh... yeah, man. The great, the great depression had just ended, and you know. We Wait, were... what about that time we flipped the light switch and the lights came on? <laughs> oh, after you talked to your boy Tommy Eddie, yeah, <laughs> yep. Uh, I called Alexander Graham Bell right after. I was like, man, this invention's crazy, dude. You got <laughs> Yeah. So needless to say, we've been we've been around for a while. We're actually gods. So. <laughs> It's interesting how those episodes haven't leaked yet, but all of like Lil Uzi and Playboy Cardi, they leak every day. But maybe our security is just way better. No, those episodes have never leaked into the it's, public. It's crazy. It's true. They're under Vault and Key, but I like Donald's idea of having them as like a, a subscriber special, you know, for our non-existent Patreon and things like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we release the rough, uncut draft. <laughs> I'm dead. Uncut. Rough and uncut. Thank. All right. So as per tradition, whenever we have special guests on, the guests get to start the good vibes off. So Donald, give us your weekly highs. The weekly highs. All right. So got some moves happening. I'm getting promoted. I'm moving. The weather's getting nice. I'm seeing people I haven't seen in a while. The vibes are just here lately. I don't know. It's been kind of I think the weather's been a bit infectious. It's just nice to kind of get back out and and see people I haven't necessarily seen in a while and obviously um, turn the page and, and move out and just yeah. kind of start a new chapter. So I'm pretty excited. We're excited for you. Do you like the spot that you're moving to? Yeah, it's beautiful. It's right on the, right on the water. It's got some – it's like perfect for somebody my age. You know, um, you know, you got the ability to go downtown, hang out, got a bunch of shops and Ooh. a little bit of nightlife, some – outdoor activities to do not too far so wait like you're right on a lake or something uh, i'm right on the ocean oh you're in the oh yeah. got an ocean side view big, ladies big, big fish big kahuna <laughs> no that's really that's really exciting and i i i hear you with i hear you with the weather 
because things like just ha- just being able to be outside and not have it be 32 degrees and stuck in your house like that is that is huge well the weather is like it's infectious on your mood bad weather bad you weather you feel bad that. yep bad weather you put on little peep <laughs> <laughs> and he's just you're like making a sad tiktok with a filter <laughs> Uh, yeah, who would do that? <laughs> That's so weird. That's crazy. Nobody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. So a little bit about the the history of Amateur Hour. We started just sort of as a random idea. And we just said, hey, all three of us like sports. Hey, all three of us have time, typically on Thursdays. Let me back up really quick. I hate to interrupt you, but let's start <laughs> off like, all right. So we're, we're together with a bunch of us. And we started to notice this trend where the three of us are kind of just like drifting off and talking about sports. And That's facts. We said, all right, we need to formalize this conversation. True. We're spitting some absolute fire. <laughs> Full takes left and right. We need to capture this. So we went to none other than the library, our school's library's recording studio. And we packed into a, a single person studio. <laughs> Man, they, those booths were literally tiny and you had to like rent them out online. Some weeks we literally could not get one. And let me tell you, when it got hot, it got hot. We literally three big dudes just chilling in this, I swear to God, like four by four space. Well, do you remember the, there was like two of them were like really small and there was one big one and we always prayed that we could get the big one because yep. it would give us enough space for three. But then there yep. were times where we had to, cram into like the one person one and so it's like i'm like holding donald's backpack like in one hand and like (laughs) my headphones in the other (laughs) (laughs) and then there was that one time where that girl knocked are you guys done (laughs) (laughs) like right in the middle of of like donald said a flaming hot take um excuse me your hour is up i can't even edit that out you're just like now it's gonna be like featuring girl knocking on the door (laughs) What's up, ladies and gentlemen? A very special guest today, this woman. <laughs> Are you done? <laughs> Honey, did you do the dishes? So it was a good time. But, you know, as we graduated and as the pandemic hit, Amateur Hour sort of just disappeared. But fortunately, we were able to revive it. And again, we're happy to have Donald on the show. So uh, the NBA season has come to a halt. Pretty much. It's Today's about the last day. Today is the last day. It is about playoff time. So I wanted to just sort of do a little recap. First off, I wanted to see what Donald thought of the NBA season as a whole, what he thought of his favorite teams, and just his general opinions as we head into the playoffs. I'm a Celtics fan at heart, and that made this Woo! season rocky at best. It was yeah, just at best. At best. And uh I currently worked off shift, and so I, you know, I didn't get to watch a lot of basketball like I typically do. But you know, one thing I could depend on is checking the Celtics score at eight thirty and seeing us down thirty points every every single time we had a game. So um, shout out to them for being, you know, my rock um, this past year. Uh, sometimes when I would check at the end of the night, they managed to kind of scrape something together and crawl back. But you look at a Celtics loss and you're like, the boys did it again. <laughs> It was like we were so consistently down like 30 points at some point within the first half of every game. It hurt me. Yeah, and, and then it's like in the third quarter, we just love to lose and go down and then fake these comebacks where we're down by more than 10. We get within maybe four at best, and then we just blow, just lose by the end. You know what I hate about that? Sorry, Donald, but you know what I hate about that? Is the, the rhetoric that comes afterwards where it's like, oh, the Celtics clawed and chewed their way back, but it wasn't enough. As if like, oh, we're we just gonna forget the first half when they didn't claw nor chew. They just know, rolled like, over and died. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it just doesn't. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. In what I what I've been wondering this whole season is what is the problem? Is it personnel? Is it coaching? Is it front office? I would say it's front office first because so like I would put a lot of it on Danny for making the team. <laughs> and understanding like okay it's not working and it hasn't been working for a couple of years now like regardless of playoff success we're just kind of always reaching a certain limit with this team and Danny really hasn't done anything major to shake it up in a sense where it's like 
he knows something is going to have to come to a head and he doesn't he's not been proactive about it so i think that's first and foremost the right. second the second thing is the, i think it's the players see i i i, lo- I don't like brad as much as I did before when we had like those Celtics teams that were underachievers like the Isaiah Thomases and the Evan Turners and the Jay Crowders. And he was able the, to like bring the, them to the scrubs, level. the not so scrubby scrub teams. Yeah. Yeah. But that like, when you were like, Holy crap, they won a round. Holy crap. They won two. Like then right. you were like, then you, it was exciting. Right. But now where it's like, no, no, no. We have the talent to like make it to a finals and Brad Stevens hasn't done much. Yeah. Like, I don't so know the roster this year, but there has you, been years in the past where I think on paper we look white contenders. Well, yeah. okay, then what do you think, Donovan? Legitimately, what do you think is missing from this team this year? I think a veteran presence. Like I think of like when the 2011 Mavs won a championship. You know, they had they had Vince Carter. Like you just need like kind of this like sage presence. Um, and oftentimes you see teams like acquire a veteran who whose worth isn't necessarily on the court, but it's just that leadership, that like kind of um, ability to guide the team through the playoffs in, in a leadership sense. Um, and I think our stab at that this year was Jabari Parker, who I love Jabari Parker. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy to have him on the Celtics, but I just think like this is such a young team. Um, so many like undersized players. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like they need a rock down there. Like, just to kind of guide them through. I I feel like that was the motivation beside, but behind one signing Kemba, right? Because we're like, yeah. oh, we have a semi-veteran point guard who is a good chemistry guy. He'll be a good leader. And although he hasn't had real playoff experience, he knows what's up with basketball. Fine. Again, on paper, that's a good argument. But in actuality, that did not pan out. And then the same thing, I feel like it was the same logic for Tristan Thompson. Like, oh, well, he yep. was on the Cavs championship squad. He's been to a bunch of finals. Like, this man knows what's up. And then you realize how much of an impact LeBron James had on his teams because Tristan Thompson by himself is, I would say, probably a net zero. Yes, he's been stepping up at the end of the season, but what does he really give you that somebody else couldn't? That's true. See, There's like a level yeah. of greatness that like few players bring, LeBron being one of them, like the greatness that gets other people paid. And, uh, you know, you see that with just like – some of these teams that he's brought to the finals and then people disperse and get contracts and, um, you know, they can almost single-handedly thank LeBron. So I I like Tristan. He's a, he's a really solid rebounder, but I don't think he like, I don't think he's in the same boat as having that, like that 40 and that like, you know, 15, 20 year vet. Like, I don't know. I think of like when T-Mac was on, not that the Spurs needed it, but you just see some of these signings every (laughs) once in a while by teams to like, just kind of boost the leadership. And yeah. I, I, it just seemed like unguided, like a leader like that is like putting, like pressing his foot on the brake. Like, hey, why are we down thirty in the second quarter to the Charlotte Hornets right now? Like, uh-huh. they don't get, allow get your that crap kind of, together. Get your, get your head. Where young guys are getting like rattled, you know, they they start to get in a hole and they kind of freeze. They start chucking up shots, and I, I wish Brad was a bit quicker to pull guys pull stop at times. Yeah, see, see, this is why I would have. I, I don't know if this is a little bit of hindsight twenty being 2020 or <laughs> or I would have wanted this in the beginning, but I would have thrown all caution to the wind to get Chris Paul. Because oh, I think, my God. Right? Because I, yeah. I think when you think about floor general, I, I immediately think that's what we need. And as good as Tatum is as a ball handler, as good as Brown is getting as a ball handler, and as good as Kemba is right now as a ball handler. They're not playmakers. They're not, yeah, they're not all looking to make the right play every single time, and that's exactly what Chris Paul does. He, every play, he's looking to make the right play. Like, he knows, like, okay, at this point in the game, I got to pass. And then he's like, okay, if we're down this much, he's, like, so strategic about how to play the game that it becomes it's like it's like inner nature method to him and it's just not there with those guys yet like with Kemba like he he can do things well but he doesn't give the same command to the game that like someone like Chris Paul does I also think Kemba still has like his own narrative to prove like he came to a new he's he's been the best player on a bad team for you know probably six seven years before coming to Celtics. Yeah. Um. He's kind of fighting the injury bug, and at the same time, he has to you know 
prove to the NBA, hey, I can win. I have the pieces around me. Um, mm-hmm. So I think he's kind of battling his own narrative that doesn't allow himself to be that, you know, kind of like that selfless um, floor general. That's really never been his play style. Yeah. Um, but also being that leader. Like, I think he's he's still yeah. got his own stuff to work through. That's well, really Kemba, Kemba's point. battling the, the one for 12 bug. I, everybody forgets. Everybody forgets that when this man came back, the worst decision that was made by the coaching staff or the front office was to start Kemba Walker. We started the season nine and three. We were the one seed. We looked pretty good. And I'm not saying that we would have stayed the one seed Mm -hmm. because based off of the other issues that we've seen come up throughout the rest of the season, we would absolutely have fallen. But I would say that we would be better than the seventh, right? Kemba Walker starting is insulting to the system that you had in place, and it's insulting to the players who put time and effort to get you those nine wins. Kemba Walker comes back, and we were literally we we were I think we were four and seven after he came back. Yeah, and two of those two of those wins he didn't even play. I think this is like a a mark of the Brad Stevens tenure is that I guess there's like a sense of entitlement that comes along with players like that become, I guess, flourish under the system and our stars are paid like them under the system where, you know, now when Gordon Hayward was here, he demanded his playing time and he demanded that he started. And, and now, you know, Kemba, even though he probably doesn't say it, right, his contract demands a certain amount of play from him and a level of play from him that may not always be the right decision at the right time. And I feel like that's a that may be like a league wide problem where it's like you, you pay these guys so much that it's like, well, we're paying the guy 140 million, like we can't just leave him on the bench. And it's like, no, no, no. If something is working, you let it work until it doesn't. And then you let the guy yeah. he's rehabbing, right? The guy has just come back from like rehabbing over from a, a couple, couple months. months off. Yeah. Yeah. So like to put him in and try to like even though he's not playing starter minutes, but to to define him as the starter. It, it does. It takes away from the team a little bit, like the it's team so mentality. Bad. Yeah. It's, especially, too, when you see emerging point, right? Like Peyton Pritchard has been the the diamond in the rough all year. Amidst a crumbling, just mediocre Celtics team, you have Peyton Pritchard, who mm-hmm. is a rookie, who has come in. Although he's smaller, he's played solid defense. He's made big shots. He's made big plays. He has supreme confidence. And I would like to see him get more time like yes he's gonna make mistakes because he's a rookie yeah but give him his give him his due give him his chance don't just default to Kemba because like you said Trey exactly oh well he's getting paid 32 million so he might as well be a starter that that logic makes no sense I just wish the, the guard depth on this team is so poor even though we have it's weird. seven guards. It's weird. Yeah. yeah like It's so weird. To be a point guard, you have to be under six feet in our team. <laughs> and to be a shooting guard, you have to be like a hybrid between point guard and small forward. Yep. And you're going to get crunched for minutes because there's six of you. Like, yep. it's weird. It's, yep. Yeah, the undersized guard has been also a, a trend in the Brad Stevens system that I am not as fond of like obviously it worked with isaiah and Kyrie is a little bit bigger terry terry yeah it's a trayvon waters yeah carson edwards like i don't know understand why danny when i think of like how many successful sub six foot tall players (laughs) in the nba i think of isaiah thomas like Mm. who might have cracked six feet but barely spud webb and yeah spud webb mugsy bogues yeah mugsy and like Mookie That's it. There's like a couple. There's like not now, a lot. Now, yeah. right. So let's take the opposite of that, right? Let's name let's name um successful lo- lengthy athletic forwards. Okay. Uh I'll start. Giannis, KD, uh fr- freaking Anthony Davis, Christian Wood, Porzingis, uh, Karis Levert, Porzingis, Harry Jones the <laughs> third. <laughs> Wow. That's hey, we, tr- we tried him. I don't think that worked out. <laughs> That's a throwback name. Yeah, we did try him. OKC. I remember. PJ Dozier. <laughs> Pat McCaw. PJ Dozier left. Was it, wasn't he here for a little he bit? Was. He was. He, he didn't get any us. playing time. Yep. And then he went to the Nuggets, and now he gets a lot of playing time, but he plays pretty well as a best. So player. actually, Shreyas, that's perfect, because I, I did want to mention that one other thing. I think the uh, th- the reason why I'm more inclined to blame the system 
versus our talent for our poor success is because you see all these players, and I've said this before, but all these players are on the Celtics. They are mediocre at best. Then they leave the Celtics and they ball the hell out. Mm. Ennis Cantor, PJ mm-hmm. Dozier. You think Shemmy's an all-star? Terry no. Rozier. Terry Rozier. <laughs> I don't think Shemmy's an all-star. If he Even leaves. Gordon Hayward. Don't, Is Shemmy an all-star on the Warriors, Max? What name did you... Uh, Brad Wanamaker, go. Uh, what name did you just say? Did you just say my trigger name? <laughs> no, I say it one more Lakers. time. Is he taking LeBron's spot, Shemmy Ojale? Yes. 100%. It's the system. Hey, listen, I'm going to disconnect, and I will talk to you guys. <laughs> 100%. Who else can brick corner threes if he's not on the court? Like I was crazy. He had two dunks yesterday. <laughs> I guess the Timberwolves. <laughs> you show me a dunk. You show me a dunk uh, that happened yesterday. I didn't watch the game yesterday because I was watching an actual Boston playoff game, not this crap the, bag. The yeah. Bruins? The Bruins, yeah. So I was like, I'm not going to watch it. I'm, I'm not going to look. But you show, me, you show me that Jake Lehman dunk. That <laughs> Jake happened. Lehman? Who cares? <laughs> but I was like... <laughs> But I was like, I was like, all right, like, I mean, like, anyone can beat our scrubs. And I know they didn't win, but like, it's just like, it just feels like every time our bench plays a game, there's always someone that like annihilates them or just like makes us look bad. Like, there's never a time where our bench makes another person look bad. We're just bad, and that's okay. So I wanted to just talk real quick, <laughs> since you know we we the seating for. The NBA is pretty much locked in. I just want to go back to our very first episode of the new iteration of Amateur Hour. Episode one, the hottest NBA power rankings. Now, Shreyas had... <laughs> All right, I'm muting myself. <laughs> <laughs> now, Shreyas had a couple of very interesting takes. Now, I just want to read to you quickly his seeding for the West. Okay, He had Lakers at number one which is fair based off their performance last year coming off a championship. No one can clown me for that one. Seemed like they made upgrades. Fair, fair. Nobody thought LeBron and AD would get hurt. Exactly. Fair. Clippers at number two. Good prediction. Clippers are a solid team. Nugs at number three. Good prediction. Nugs are a solid team. And that worked, yeah. They're number three. They're locked in at three. Mavs at number four. I would say pretty high for this year's Mavs. I feel like they're still missing a couple key pieces. But solid. Right now they're five. They are. So, yeah. hey, not far no, off. Solid, solid. Yeah, solid, solid. Yeah. Then we have number five, the Houston Rockets. <laughs> okay, I want people, you know, Whoa. let me explain myself. Was James Harden still on the team at that time? I mean, it would yes, be bad. Yes, he was. It, it yes, would be was. bad. It would be bad if I if I made the prediction when they had Kelly Olynyk and Armani Brooks, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, James James Harden was on the team. Eric Gordon, Eric Gordon was still healthy. Christian Wood oh, was Christian, Christian Wood was still healthy. Yeah. Yeah, but nobody knew what they were going to get from Christian Wood right there. I feel like I feel like we could have had we, we, Celtics could have had him for thirteen mil. Yeah, and the Pistons could have had him for thirteen mil. I feel like it's weird because no one really knew about Christian Wood, but people knew enough. Especially, I don't know, coming from like a fantasy perspective, people knew enough that he had enough talent to be like a twenty and seven, twenty and eight player. It was weird, like, but no one. Like you, like if you would ask like a right like regular NBA fan, they would be like, "How did this guy like play well?" So I think he, from the beginning, was gonna be a pivotal piece. And with Harden, I was like, "All right, yeah." Like, what did I say? Five? Yeah, dude. Like, Harden makes That's sense. Fine. That's fine. You know what I mean? Like they play like the Jazz or something, and it's just like it always happens that way. That's what I thought in the beginning. I, I said, you know, I said that the Pacers were going to be like the fourth seed in the East. So I, I was also wrong. Nobody's. I I don't think anybody could have predicted the Knicks being fourth. Yeah, insane. I honestly didn't think they would pull the trigger on the Harden trade. I thought that Houston would just like get all scared and be like, "All right, but we still have him under contract for like a year or two. Like, let's just let the guy play." And yeah, blind. they did it. You know I mean? yeah. We have the Suns at sixth, which. I'm impressed that Shrey put them in making the playoffs because I don't think anybody could have seen how good the Suns were going to be this year just I, based off of their recent history. I knew Chris. I, I That's why that's what I'm saying. Like, I Chris respect Paul. Chris Paul as yep. getting your team, making them better. Because when I saw yep. – when okay, you see what he did with Houston, right? And you, how he kind of – like, Harden was there, obviously, but he – was the missing piece. And if he had played that game seven, who knows what would have happened against Golden State. Mm-hmm. Then you saw what he did in OKC and no one thought that team, 
literally nobody because it was okay it was him sga and like four people off the street and that team <laughs> and that team made and that team made the playoffs and it made the made the bubble and they they played a good series so i was and like he left and they're 21 and 50 now yeah and i also yeah. Th- i also think too like chris paul and the rockets like when it was him and james harden it worked when it was russ and james harden it didn't yeah and like yeah. that's the kind of leadership that you know chris paul has that he just makes any situation he and he elevates it so mm. i honestly didn't think number two i um, beats me to say number two in the west for a, a chris paul led devin booker led team i didn't think it was that high but i knew like you said max i knew a little bit i was like all right this team is good enough it has the young talent and now you got the the floor general Six. Mm-hmm. Let's let's give him at six, and so that's that was kind of my rationale then. So I just w- my point in bringing this all up was I wanted to just talk about the seventh and eighth seeds. Can we, yeah, I mean those aren't really. So what Trey has had, what he was seeds. confident in uh, at the beginning of the year was the Pelicans making the seventh. <laughs> all right. The pe- <laughs> all right. I'm gonna. The pe- the pe- okay. Okay. And, and at the eighth seed. <laughs> They had the kings. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let's think. Let's think about this. Let's think about this first. But you know, I, my fault for not putting the Jazz anywhere on this list. You didn't put the Jazz any. Oh whoa! Or that Portland? Is, uh, oh, I didn't have Portland either. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh sure. Uh, <laughs> Utah is livid right now. You man! Oh my god. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't put them on the list, and they're the one seed. Trace, <laughs> to be fair, your Pelicans and Kings are the the next two teams into the play-in tournament. So right, right. So I wasn't, I wasn't far, I wasn't far off. I wasn't far off. But if you if you think about this, when everyone was healthy, and I saw the way Zion and Brendan Ingram were playing together in the beginning of the season, and they were both getting their numbers and the team was like treading water. That's what I thought. I was like, all right, if they can tread water and then make some sort of like late season run, especially if they like, you know, manage Zion correctly, which as we all know, they didn't. <laughs> so if they were able to do <laughs> <Enjoy>. that, <laughs> if they were able to do that, seven and eight made sense. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can rest me for the Kings next. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else. You know, the Kings front office still stands by the decision to draft Marvin Bagley versus Luka Doncic. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Bloody Divac is somewhere like, like he's Crying. on like, the corner of the street. He's like, he's like, please Luka. anybody. <laughs> you have free Doncic. Play some Doncic, please. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he thinks Doncic is like a coin. <laughs> uh, like, ooh, that could be the next big crypto Doncic coin. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Cuban is big on crypto. I would not even plant that idea in his head. <laughs> Mark, listen, make a bunch of NFTs for Luca and a then lo- make it into a coin. A Lu coin. A Luke. <laughs> I think it's already a crypto. Lucoin Lucoin. <laughs> the Luca Luca the new meme meme coin. It's Luca it's Luca and Boban as the logo because now they're new best friends. <laughs> so Donald, how do you feel about Shreyas's predictions? I think I think the Suns pick was was really good. I think there's some name stay at the top that like we all saw coming. The Nuggets, the Clippers, the Lakers. Um I really like the Mavericks. I think they're you know, I think Luca's one of the future cornerstones of the NBA if he's, you know, not already there. I, I don't I think Shreyas is a couple years ahead in his predictions in his prediction not for the mm. kings they're in the longest drought that <laughs> hell no i'm gonna i'm gonna pick that every year from now on. are you gonna, I, are you part of king's nation well no i think i think now i'm just gonna be like stuck in the sand is because i've been roasted so much that i'm gonna finally prove one year that they're gonna make it <laughs> and then you're all gonna be like dang if only i hadn't picked the kings for six years straight <laughs> didn't they just, didn't they just right. extend the drought to like 18 years in in a in a professional league that allows more than half their teams to make the playoffs, they've not been in the top half like since like oh four or something crazy. Yeah, so has it been since the Chris Webber days? F- Fifteen years. Fifteen they, years. Oh six. 
They haven't been in the top half of the league. Yeah. That's crazy because the Timberwolves, uh, they broke their drought when Jimmy Butler made it. They yep. pulled them through. But, yeah, the Kings tied for the like, longest in NBA history. When I think of baseball or even, like, football, I can kind of get behind. Like, mm-hmm. there's 32 NFL teams. Baseball, I think they just changed their playoff format. But, like, before it was four teams from each conference. So, mm-hmm. it's like. I guess it's understandable if you don't make the playoffs. But here, it's literally a free-for-all. If you like, if you even hint at 500, you're typically in the playoffs. Yeah, and some teams and don't teams even need losing records who've made the playoffs in the they past They don't even well. need it, yeah. Like, I just think of, like, all those Pistons teams and the Magic Box teams. teams against the Heat. <laughs> like, Brandon and- Jennings, Larry Sanders, <laughs> led Bucks. The, ma- the, the Magic are like, oh, we tried to lose, but we can't because the East sucks so much. <laughs> Oh crap! We're it. Yeah, the magic for the past couple of years. They're like, I, I guess we're the eighth seed. <laughs> they're like, they're like, oh, we get number one Toronto. All right, we'll win game one. <laughs>, <laughs>, laughs in a laughs in a first round sweep. <laughs> yeah, that that I don't know, Shrey. The Kings, I just don't see. Like they, ha- that's just one of those things where it's like with the NBA, everybody is so talented. Where you know. You could reasonably build a team with just about anybody, but the, the people need to play together, and you need yeah. to be a cohesive team. So that's like yeah. when you ask about the Celtics, is it leadership, is it players, is it coaches? Um, the Kings, it's leadership. They don't put – you know, the team culturally is not where it needs to be, and that's that's what the leadership team is responsible for is building a, a culture of players and personnel you know, that produces winning results. Um, yep. There's been no coach who's entered that situation, and I don't think they, you know, attract top tier talent in coaching. Um, but mm-hmm. nobody can like come close to being successful. And when you get drafted into an organization like that, and if you're on the Kings and you're not getting playing time, all of a sudden, you know, you might go from a projected role player to nobody's interested to you. You know, what I mean, it could just yeah. be because you're not getting minutes. Yep. So it it's really a it's a tough situation. It's kind of like a graveyard of the NBA, like. Yeah. The last person I remember being excited about was, I mean, Boogie. And then they drafted Ben McElmore, and that's that. Like, <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm excited about De'Aaron Fox, but I think Donald, you make a great point that they just don't command. <laughs> if you think of all the California teams, they don't command the attention that the Lakers, the Clippers, the Warriors they all command some sort of attention in that state. And the Kings, just if you were to pick like, oh, I want to go to sunny California and I'm a coach, I'm a really good coach. Why, why would, you, I go why to would you want to go to Sacramento? Right? Years of losing does not happen on accident. That's yeah. like mistakes, like compounding together consistently well, you know, for years. Like, <laughs> you know what that, yeah. you know what I think is like, they, they, I feel like they're afraid to retool. Like for me, I think it's one of those situations where they get great players, but they don't build around them and, and kind of like kind of break it down to ground zero around the player that they want to build around. They kind of just keep acquiring talent and then substituting it for, for maybe a piece that didn't work out. And then they just Mm -hmm. keep doing this, like this puzzle piece thing where they're like, keep cutting the corners and like, Oh, okay. Now it kind of fits. And then they have to keep cut the other <laughs> corner. It's like, Oh, I mean, now we, you know what I mean? So it's never like they do the puzzle over again. Right. And that's something they, they just have to do at this point. It's been 15 years. They got to do something. That's, that's actually a great point. Straight. They, they're, they're just sort of trying to like make things work. They have a bunch of square blocks and they're trying to fit in circle holes. Yeah. And they're like, like you said, they, they, they like jam it halfway in and they're like, Oh, that's fine. <laughs> then they acquire another square block and they're like, Oh well, maybe these two squares will go together, and then like it just—it's just a mess. Yeah, they just keep trying to like sand the corners until it becomes a circle. Tyrese Halliburton was a great pickup for from this year's draft, yeah. but how how successful is he going to be until he leaves? Really, mm. I'm looking up all the the draft picks that they've had since 2010. Oh yeah, um, and uh, 2010 they got Boogie and Hassan. Uh, nobody gave Hassan a chance. Hassan yeah. Whiteside. Yeah. Um, the next year, the, the, their seventh pick, they drafted Bismarck Biombo. Um, yes. And then on the very last pick of the draft, they drafted Isaiah Tom- Thomas. Hit, hit, but they didn't keep him. To like that's a that's a hit on the pick, but 
they sh- so, they didn't recognize the talent there. So here's right. here's their lottery picks for since Boogie, Bismarck Biombo, Thomas Robinson, who was a Kansas alum, bust. Um, who was yeah big boss, but he was projected <laughs> to play well. Um, ben Macklemore the next year, Nick Stoskis the next year, bust. Oh Willie Colley Stein the year after that. Bust. Um, Mar- Marquise Chris, bust. who then went to Phoenix. Bust. And um, he's been injured too, so bust. Right. And he's hurt and bust. He's a hurt <laughs> bust. Um, De'Aaron Fox, who's, hey, you know. That's a hit. Yeah. So Marvin Bagley, bust. But, yeah, but, that's, yeah, it's, ter- it's, it's, it's that early way. to tell, but like from the way he was described at the draft, he's yeah. not at least he's at least not projecting the way he was. Yeah, but Mar- Marvin Bagley, yeah, like you said, how he was described is not how he turned out. Right, and then Tyrese Halliburton this year. So obviously, understanding that it's it's hard to um, draft people, um, but like when you're in the lottery ten years in a row and you're only hitting on maybe thirty percent of them, mm-hmm. like. Yeah. It's gonna be tough to change culture. Yeah, they're not like you said. They're not bringing in the right veteran presence. They're kind of just like retooling through the draft, but not pushing through the not effectively. Yeah, not effectively. Well, yeah. Right. Well, think about the, the think about the New York Knicks. Right. The Knicks have also wasted twenty years worth of first round draft picks, but this year they said, "Oh, okay, we're gonna actually like bring in some key pieces onto our roster. Gonna get a new coach. We're gonna make some changes that we need to make." And bam, look where you are. They built the culture around. That just like, you know, a little bit of tough, hard-nosed basketball. And they have Julius Randle to lead the charge. Yeah. And there you go. They're the fourth seed. Just to make this interesting, I'm looking back when uh, the Kings were in the playoffs and they had like late first-round picks. And they they had much more success. They got Hito Turkoglu, uh, mm. Gerald Wallace, Kevin Martin. <laughs> yeah. So, they, you know, it seems like that organization has come a long way uh, in the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, are we able to call them the Kings now? I don't know. Like, they got the L, they gotta, the Sacramento L's, the Sacramento Jesters. Yeah, they got to be like the Jester, <laughs> the court Jester, <laughs> the clown. Oh, the court, the like a court, like an NBA, like hardwood court. So they're the court Jesters. I will say though, I'm really, really, really excited about Tyrese Halliburton. I think he brings like kind of that floor general. Um, feel back um mm-hmm. and, to the NBA. and we don't yeah. have like i don't feel like we have as many of those anymore like floor tacticians like yeah command, you know commanding the game um at their tempo quite like that so. he definitely he definitely has a good feel for the game and i hope i hope luke walton isn't there to provide him with any support because i don't know his minutes have been so up and down and i know he can continue to be a better player, but he just doesn't get the consistency in his role that I wish if, he did. If you are an NBA rookie um, guard and you're shooting 47% from the field, you're a legitimate NBA player. You're a player. Oh, yeah. You're, yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And he's he's got length, too. He's got nice handles. He does. He's, yeah, he, he's going he's gonna to be a good player. He's got some defensive presence to him. Like That's what I like about players that start off playing both ends of the floor or at least the defensive end of the floor because the offense i think max we've had some conversation too i believe at least that the offense you can always grow into a more offensive role and if you can show at least some flash in the offensive side like that's something you can always work on and improve and it just makes you a better player from the beginning and you never kind of lose your role in the game because they know they can keep you out for front and back possessions like well, yeah it's, it's yeah. easier to play good solid defense honestly Trace, the majority of defense is just hustle i t- think t- t- tell me because yeah. because realistically at the end mm. of the day you're still a body in front of another body and if you can move your feet and try hard enough like yeah but, moving, but the moving your feet isn't hustle i wouldn't say like move your feet in a way that like you always are are keeping a hand to contest the shot keeping a hand to contest the pass if you think iq isn't a big part of Oh, I'm not. Like, I would argue. Not. I would argue. IQ is like a bigger part of than hustle. Depending. I would. I would. Dis- I would disagree. I would at, say at, that you being the there and you trying. No, I would. No, I would say that you being there and you trying, and all you got to do is keep that offhand. You keep one hand to bother them in their face, and you keep the offhand ready for the pass. And you, if you can move your feet side to side, if you can play, you know, think about if and if you can understand. I guess maybe the IQ comes in where you can understand what their tendencies are. But if you're just there and you do your best to stay in front of them, 
then you are, I would say, just baseline a solid defender. Because you'd be surprised at how many people just give up on a play. Oh, they've been beat. Oh, there's somebody. Oh, oh now I'm on his hip, so I'm just going to let him go. No, you can recover from that if you just stay with them or you 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 know you talk through it you just hustle you make those plays then i think you can be a good defender well i think i think about it this way i think about someone like andre godala right where Iggy. He, yeah so he he comes in and he's he's known for his length and being a defensive player but he grew into his role as an offensive player on teams like you know those late those seventy uh, sixers teams in the late aughts and the Nuggets, right? But then when he became an older, like like salty veteran in the game, right? And his <laughs> his offense wasn't needed, and it just it, he didn't he didn't have that like offensive gem to him anymore. He he could still play defense. He could still play a role defensively because that. Right, because defense consistent. is easier than offense. Well, but when but offense but defense usually outlasts offense too. So if you're not a good defensive player, your longevity in the league is cut short. Right, like if you're just a guy that can only play offense and say your offense is not as where it needs to be, right? It's tougher because scoring is. Well, such it's Kemba a, right now. It's Kemba right now. Yeah. And like Can't, sco- cannot play defense for his life, and his offense isn't where it needs to be. Right. So, look how look how we think about him right now compared to when his offense was spectacular. Right? At least like, not right. Then he's a glass cannon. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He can score, but he can't guard. But if he can outshoot everybody, yeah, that's right. fine. Because scoring is such a surplus in this league. I just right? I think so it's much hard scoring that you need these guys to stop to the, play defense. the guys. Yeah. Well, Trace, you brought up Jimmy Butler, right? And and I think he's a fine example of where like he came in to be defense first and then he learned offense. But this year, guess what he's shooting from three? Twenty uh, percent. It is hard to get your shot down. If that's not what you came up with, it's hard to get a jump shot down. Giannis started when he first came into the league before he was like a dominant like forward big man, he had a nice jumper. Then he changed it. He changed his play style. He gained mass, and now he doesn't really have that. He's working on it, obviously, but it's still you can see it's taking him years to develop this jumper. Whereas just he's got the size and he's got the hustle, he's just automatically a good defender. Yeah, I see. I, I definitely see arguments. I'm wondering, Donald, do you who whose side would you take in this argument? Would you take that it's easier to play, play defense, defense, or is it easier? I think. Offensively, defensive instincts are much rarer than like offensive firepower. Um, like when we when we have like kind of like what you said, Trias. Like I think offense is at a surplus, and when we have those like defensive standouts, mm. um, they quickly become valuable, even if that's all they add. So I think of like people like Ben Wallace, who literally averaged five points per game for their entire career, mm-hmm. and is like a fringe Hall of Fame candidate. He's he's, wow. he's in the Hall of Fame next year. Yeah. Confirmed. Yeah. Oh, it is? Yeah, yeah. 2021 class. Ben Wallace is in the 2021 class. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it tells you, Dennis Dennis Rodman, Ben Wallace, these guys play defense their whole lives. Tony Allen, for years, was a very highly coveted person to have on your team. Uh, Get get, get back in the boat. (laughs) It's a Tony Allen, right? You're the Tony Allen. Is that your Dennis Rodman impression, Max? (laughs) I'm back, I'm back, and uh, you know my my favorite thing to do was get back of the ball, and uh, I just I didn't go and I want to rebound. Way that way, bit by boop. That's really good, dang, dang. I don't know anyone had a Dennis Robin in him. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. I agree with you, Donald. There's a there's a level of defensive instinct that can get you places where just offense probably couldn't. Okay, that's fair. You know, that's fair, Donald. I see. I see whose side you're picking. The Heat, like they had Shane Battier, um, obviously on the tail end of it, but like we see how valuable that three and D kind of became, and and now mm-hmm. I I think like teams are kind of like betting for that type of talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a time when that was like a premier bench piece that every championship contender had on their team. They Absolutely. had a three and D guy. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, all right. I see how it is. Um, so. <laughs> I want to go to our last segment here, and it's a it's a combined segment. And and Shreyas just mentioned the HOF Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. We recently inducted a draft class, and Shreyas has a very special gauntlet for us today. But in order for us to talk about it, we do need to give our 
tip our hats to Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Rudy, Tom Yanni, and Kobe. Yeah. What, what do we think about the class? And Tamika Catchings, dude. Tamika Catchings. Tamika Catchings. Too. Yeah. And uh, Kim Mulkey, Baylor head coach. Uh, I think, yeah, this is a good class. I don't know. I, I want to get your thoughts on this kind of a legendary class. Yeah, so I think when, when Kobe passed away last year, um, they kind of limited the they, – they truly wanted to make this like the top tier um, of the NBA Hall of Fame. And like obviously that's what the Hall of Fame is, is the top tier of the league. Um, but I think they had an opportunity to kind of – um, celebrate like the true leaders that we've had in the NBA in the past um, 20 years. So yeah, um, this class did kind of stand out as one of the best I, you know, usually I feel like I look through the induction list and um, like, there's at least one person who I'm like, Oh, I didn't know about like their, their impact on the game. But uh, <laughs> this is like, this is really like three leaders um, that we've seen. So, Yeah. This is a big. This is a big class for the NBA. I think a lot of people's eyes were on, obviously Kobe, but him also being inducted in the same class with people of the caliber of Tim Duncan and and Kevin Garnett. I think people are, you know, obviously are going to put this on a pedestal above many. But I'm also looking at a lot of the recent classes, and you know, these classes are starting to get into this era, like kind of our era of basketball, if you if I may say so. Where it's like you're you're looking at like oh like these are players that we watched and we revered as fans and now they're they're finally getting into that stage where they're eligible they've been in out of the game that long and it's now it's kind of hitting me that like whoa like Ray Allen is a Hall of Famer he's not just the guy that was like at the end of the Heat like you know what I mean like he wasn't just he's still he's rebound Bosh back out to Allen <laughs> yeah like. Jason Kidd, like I remember watching Jason Kidd, and I remember watching Steve Nash versus Chris Paul, and now Chris Paul is still playing, but Steve Nash is a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean like it's kind of crazy in my yeah. mind how time has flown by from me watching like us watching basketball as a kid and watching all these guys in their primes or maybe at the end of their career, and then now seeing them be like immortalized in basketball in the Hall of Fame in the Hall of Fame, yeah. Yeah, they I, I I Kevin Garnett, dude. I mean, what a dominant player. Donald actually sent me a video on him the other day. His jumper was smooth. Couldn't hit threes, but that long two, that major shooting big man who could also like you know put the ball on the floor and jam it on people's heads. Huge. When KG hit a three though, it was like a moment. I was like, oh man. Like I I remember there was a couple times when, uh, like end of the shot clock, KG had the ball at the three point line. He just had to throw it up. And it would be it, it was kind of like when Rondo would hit a three. You'd be like, oh, like, mm, dang, <laughs> oh, like, Rondo. <laughs> the Celtics are rolling. If those guys are hitting a three, like, you, you'd think yep. like that. So, man, yep. but all but boom, it, boom. it's just yeah, funny because, yeah. like, KG takes one step in and that shot's completely <laughs> in his bag. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just you become a different player. It's, I, I feel the same way about like the the Kyle Corvers and the. You know what I mean? Like where it's like you they do they take like a long two and you're like, No, 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 why couldn't you have just done that like take a step the back? Three. Yeah, yeah, why don't you just take a step back? And it's just like but I feel the I feel the same I feel the complete opposite way when it's like a KG or a Giannis or a you know what I mean? Like, no no no, just just take one step in. I think it's fitting too that, you know, those three um they competed together in the Western Conference for years, um, mm. at, at the peak of their athletic ability. And it was always a scrap of, you know, who's who has the biggest impact on their team. Um, and I think both KG and Tim Duncan alluded to it yesterday. But, like, they thanked each other for elevating each other's game because um, when you're that good, you need somebody to drive you to that next level. And I think those three truly helped each other out. And I think Dirk is in that same conversation, too, of, of elevating um, each other's games. Because it was, honestly, the West um, Western Conference – was stacked in talent. You you know, Amari Stoudemire, mm-hmm. um, Tim Duncan, KG, Dirk, um, just all, all these, like, prolific players. Um, Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, and then the Kings, like, still had Chris still Weber. Had Chris Weber. Yeah. Um, they had a really solid team. Um, so it, it was truly, like, just, like, such a collection of talent. 
and it was so cool to see the three of them getting inducted together because those are like um when i was growing up watching basketball we kind of knew that we were like watching greatness um mm. but not enough to the point like i was still taking it for granted that like oh man kobe's gonna drop 30 tonight on our heads like what does that mean for an nba player to do that for 20 seasons day in and day out like that's yeah. crazy yeah yeah it's just like it, you get to a point where you're like you know it's gonna happen but then when it's not in the league anymore you're like you're like dang like what if they just had kobe you know what i mean like like when kobe retired and obviously the lakers were on a downturn at for like the couple of years when he was in the end of the end of his career and then when he retired but then you always think like man if this team had like prime kobe like he could have pulled them into a playoff run like he did in like 2005 2000 like 2006 like you know what i mean like he, he could have done that he was that type of player to just bring put the team on his back i also think somewhere it's just like three people who have played the game the right way consistently for my whole life, like, mm. and from, from I, fundamentals to the extreme skill that they both that they right. all that they all possess, and the like the pedigree and like the championship intensity, um, between them, they must have won like eleven rings. Uh, five, uh, yeah, eleven rings. Yeah. Duncan has five. Kobe, Kobe has five, five, and KG has one. Yeah, yeah. So wow. like that's that's astounding, and it's not like they were teammates like double dipping for those. Like that's. Mm-mm. That's eleven separate teams um, led by them winning rings. So yeah, um, and I also I always think it's so cool when somebody um, stays with one franchise for, for a career. long time. And yep. both, yeah, and Tim Duncan nineteen years I think, and then Kobe twenty twenty years twenty years. Yep. Yeah, and, and then, then you well you and that's why it's nice yeah. to still see that today with players like Steph Curry and Dame Lillard. Mm-hmm. You know, people who are honoring the franchises that brought them into the league and for better or for worse they're sticking through those teams yeah and like those are the guys that i hope win rings i agree you root for those guys because they aren't so much worried about where they can get the ring but they are worried about how they can get a ring there like here Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so it's like that's the type of mentality where you're not afraid and not in a sense of afraid but like you're not so worried about who you have to face to get this ring and who because i think chris paul said it best he in a post game on tnt chuck asked him like um you know you guys are the two seed but you know did you ever imagine the lakers would be either the six or the seven seed and you like you know that you might have to face them at some point very early in the in the playoffs and chris paul cut him off and said chuck i've been in the i've been in the western conference my whole life you there's ballers on the side like we like you can't you can't hide from nobody mm-hmm. and that's yep. one thing is like when these guys play 15 20 years in the same conference in the same team like they're not hiding from anything they yep. know that they know their talent they know they can play in this league and they're willing to get the accolades where they are rather than yep. go out and seek for them exactly rather than rather than ring chase <clears throat> boogie <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that being said, Shreyas, yeah, give us the gauntlet. Give us, give us. So for everybody who doesn't know, or if you're just tuning in, the gauntlet is very similar to other start bench cut formats. But basically, we have four players. The uh, Shreyas is going to give us who, who me and Donald don't know. Uh, we're going to give the top player, in our opinion, the the golden egg, the best award that we can possibly give them. Two of these players are going to go on our bench, and the last one we are going to cut, but not just cut. We're going to send them to work at Home Depot to never pick up a basketball professionally or unprofessionally ever again. So with that being said, Shreyas, give us those players. Okay. So I want to kind of take this in a different route. And usually if you guys have watched, uh, if you guys have listened to the podcast before and have listened to the gauntlet, we usually do, we've done like positions. So point guard, shooting guard, small forward, so on. And because I was taking this in a Hall of Fame direction, and I knew that it would be tough to do it with, you know, the actual people that would go into that are in the Hall of Fame kind of thing. So it's like if you had to pick between Kobe and KG and Tim Duncan, like you pick Kobe, like it'd be. It, I feel like it would be a little bit easier. So I guess I wanted to test Donald's knowledge. I wanted to test 
you know, Max here too. And I was like, all right, but what about the people that are presenting them? So our list was was Isaiah, MJ, and uh, uh, David Robinson. So so here here are four of the presenters, and I took out MJ to make it a little bit more difficult. So now you got to pick who you're starting, which two are putting, you're putting on your bench, and which one are you cutting? And as, as Max so then, eloquently Who's going to it, work at Home Depot? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> as he eloquently puts it, who's going to be working for the next hardware store. Um, so, yeah. So Isaiah Thomas, who presented for uh, KG. David Robinson, who is the presenter for Tim Duncan. Alonzo Mourning, who is the presenter, who is one of the presenters for Tamika Catchings, and Hakeem Olajuwon, who is the presenter for Rudy Tomjanovich along with Calvin Murphy. So those oh, four man. players: Isaiah, David Robinson, Alonzo Mourning, Hakeem. So I, I, um, oh man, one of them is just left out of the mix, or what? So yes. you have to give one of them your top award. Two of them are on your bench, and one of them is going to okay, work. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm. I cut Alonzo Mourning. That that's easy for me. Um, oh wow! Not, you know, really special player, um, but he's just like he's just a step down from like Isaiah Thomas. Um, mm-hmm. Won two rings in the NBA. Very hard feat to do. Hakeem yeah. Olajuwon won two rings in the NBA. Um, and David Robinson was obviously a champion with Tim Duncan. Won two rings he, in the NBA, he was, and he was that sure, yeah. So, um, and he was kind of part of that transformational shift that we've seen the Spurs like become a powerhouse with. So absolutely um, Alonzo Mourning, like obviously great talent. If you pit him against like current NBA players, um, it, it becomes a different discussion, but like yeah. when we're talking top of the, like best of the best, right. um, unfortunately he's just like a step below him for me. Okay. That's an interesting, I, that's interesting. Cause we, when we do this, usually we, it's easier for us to pick the best player out of them, but you took the, it in the, a different. The out. best I, player yeah. out of them is, I mean, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say the same thing as Donald. I was, I was gonna cut, I was gonna cut Morning because I, I agree with that. It's just when you, the other three that you named, I, mm-hmm. I just think I'm like, oh wow, like oh wow, yeah, just impressive players in just about every aspect of their game. And mm-hmm. yeah, Alonzo Morning is very good, but I don't know, he, Talented. he doesn't, yeah, beast. But he just doesn't to me stack up with Hakeem. Yeah. Or Robinson, and even Isaiah Thomas. You know, it's it, yeah. like Don said, the championships two speakers. Honestly, if you put MJ in this, it might be a little bit more difficult. You think so? Well, MJ would be the best player, but then it's like, who do you cut out of the other three? Yes, I guess I guess we could go that direction too. But I want to, yeah, I want to get what you guys think so far about the other three. If you think Alonzo Morning is uh, the cut right here, <sighs> that this is so tough for me because I think. Hakeem Olajuwon, I you know you always hear about how great he is, how like multifaceted his game was, mm-hmm. and I hear the same thing about David Robinson. But for some reason, I like I don't see like the amount of coverage for David Robinson. Like I like I'm not too familiar with um, his game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, a lot of his a lot of his play in those '90s Spurs teams, they were like close, but they 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 were never really close enough for him to get any shine in the 90s where there was an mj or right with or Shaq. running around with the sun Shaq, shacks in the league hakeem yeah. Olajuwon dominating mm-hmm. um, david robinson off. scored 70 in a game like hey and you know? he has a quadruple double and he has a quadruple yeah. and i and i truly 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 think um what the spurs organization has done in the past 20 25 years is unlike anything we've ever seen in sports. Like they've always been on the forefront of um, where the NBA is headed, whether that be turning the NBA um, to a global scale, uh, whether it, you know it's that um, that three point offense having Tim Duncan down low and just surrounding him with shooters mm-hmm. um, and a playmaker, um, and then like how critical that the six man is for this. Like I'm I'm so impressed with what the Spurs have done and RC Buford and. Um, Greg Popovich, and I think they're leaders, and they lead with class. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I think that there's something powerful about that. So I think I put David Robinson as my number one. And I think like so much so about what he's done with the Spurs is that like 
his playing is kind of an afterthought, and he's still one of the best centers of all time. Like, mm-hmm. uh-huh. he it just go it goes beyond the game of basketball what that organization's done, and I think he was a big part of that. So, so is he getting yeah, your golden egg? Okay. I think so. Okay, okay, that's I'm pretty gonna, good. Yeah, what do you think, Max? Uh, Isaiah Thomas was close for me. You know, he's that <laughs> he was the original IT. Um, very, very good player. I mean, just huge impact. It's, I just, especially defensively, you know, you talk about, <laughs> you talk about defensive guards. Mm, mm-hmm. Give me that. Give me that. Like him He's and Gary Payton scrappy, are in my top. Scrappy, scrappy player. Scrappy dude. But sometimes dirty. I'm not going to lie. Mm, but that, but that was, I guess that was the, the, that was the identity of, identity of that team yeah. at the time, yeah. which, you know, I, I get it again, you know, not shaking MJ's hand after, uh, <laughs> you know, you get beat in the playoffs, like, you know, whatever, that, that's whatever. fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, punching Larry Bird in the face, whatever, that's fine. <laughs> Along with Bill Lambier, you know, whatever, that, 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 that's your beef as a player though. You know, you're, you're in my top for defensive guards along with Gary Payton. Maybe I'll put Marcus Smart in there one day if he steps up. Um, <laughs> mm. But I think, uh, dude, David Robinson was absolutely very good. So Isaiah's getting a spot on my bench. David mm-hmm. Robinson, I, I hear you, I hear you, Donald, and I don't disagree with you at all. I just think Hakeem for me is gonna get my golden egg. Um just good golly. The the the, the footwork. Yeah. For me. It just you know, you talk about you talk about dominance. I just Give me Hakeem all day. You watch Hakeem highlights. What he could do is unreal. Even when he was old and on the Raptors, still dominant. Just such a good, just fun to watch. So David Robinson could absolutely get the golden egg, but for the sake of sakes, I'm giving it to Hakeem. It's crazy how how alike those two players were. David Robinson. That's what I was going to say. It's, it's, it's almost a coin flip between them. Yeah. Um, I think... Hakeem, does Hakeem have two MVPs? I think Hakeem, so. Hakeem have my have my uh might have one. I'm not positive though. But David Robinson has one too. Hakeem. It really is a coin flip. Like you think like, you know, Rocket Spurs, rivals both led by um a big man on either end and um just both like incredible, incredible careers. Um and and David Robinson gave up part of his career too to serve in the military. Yeah. Mm. Um, oh yeah, yep. he could have had a much longer career than he really did. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, ni- yeah, ninety. So ninety four, Hakeem was MVP. He won the championship. And the next year, David Robinson was MVP in ninety five. Right. Hakeem won. Hakeem won MVP, championship, Finals MVP, and Defensive Player of the Year all in nineteen ninety four, which wow. I think is insane. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, th- those guys too, like. When you talk about stalwart defensive stalwarts, oh my have, god, you're not you, you, every shot that goes into the paint is affected. It's yeah, it's, it goes into the seats. Like every shot goes into <laughs> the seats, <laughs> and and then they both have the offensive games to back it up too. Like that's the yeah. the mark of a dominant big man when they when you can't when you're like you're looking for a break as a, a defender like oh like i can get a break on the defensive end or like i can get my shot on the offensive end and these guys do not give you a break <laughs> like you're 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 basically dead if you don't bring the same amount of energy that they bring so and if you David let them Robinson get i had a average four and a half blocks one year and i honestly think i think wow. Hakeem Olajuwon hasn't beaten that like so it's let me look that up real quick yeah, I think the only person to have more is probably like Mark Eaton. Mark Eaton had like a five block year, I think. Oh, that's all Mark Eaton did was just literally. Yeah, yeah but that's like, but that's all he did too. So it's like, yeah, you don't get those guys that control the rim very often as much yeah. as, and like if you think about like who does that now, like I don't know, like I think uh, Miles Turner, but like are they is he doing it at the same rate over a full season that? The guys like Hakeem and David Robinson. Yeah, Hakeem got four point six one year. Yeah, so like Honestly, right. just barely beats him out. But like when I see somebody with four blocks, I'm like, wow, they defended the paint that game. They yeah. average between four and five every single game for an eighty two game season is bananas. And then to also be your captain on offense and the leader yeah. on the other end of the floor is crazy. Yeah. And people think yeah. like, oh, okay, a block is just one possession. And it's like, and it is, but it it's makes a, you know, think. It's a, a good block is a game changer too. It Just like you, a good It makes dunk. you think. It makes you yep. think as an offensive player. Oh, I don't, yep. I don't want to put it over this guy anymore. <laughs> like it makes the offense have to turn in a different direction 
Yep. If you're blocking that many shots a game, like. Well, yeah, it gets in the head of the offensive player. Because now you might have had confidence in that shot, but if it gets absolutely stuffed or rejected, yeah, you're not going to take that shot again. You're not going to do it anymore. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> All righty. Okay. Wow. Good gauntlet, Shreyas. Thank uh, you. Let's thank see. You. Anything else that you boys want to talk about? I think I think that was a good episode. That's it. All right. I just want to plug uh, one last time that I was correct about the Celtics. They were never going to be better than a six seed because they're bad. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, if there is nothing else, you have been listening to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with... Trey, yes. <laughs> and Donald. And we will see you next time. Peace. <laughs>